Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. I also want to touch on how good this coffee is. Uh, Do you know what? I've run out of coffee. Uh, So I'm now currently, so I have to wait until, you know, the end of the month to buy new beans. So I'm currently on my stash of uh, pre-ground beans. Which is are, are you that well rationed or are you that well budgeted? Um, I think I, I drink more coffee than I should. I think that's I mean, fact, I, yeah. I drink coffee like it's my job. I, it could be my job. A coffee taster would be a, <laughs> an interesting side project for me. Um, well, I maybe, maybe I don't want to go out on on this one, but um, I've I've just had a new new coffee uh, from one of my favourite roasters, and it's a it's a micro lot coffee, so not 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 a lot of it. Um, ah. And uh, <clears throat> it is, it's one of the ones where I've I've really tried to dial in the settings and get the brewing correct on this. And it actually has um, pineapple notes in the oh, coffee. Oh, okay. And if you could describe a coffee as juicy, uh, this is this is that coffee. I am I am very happy with it. I am literally cupping my cup with both hands like it is treasured. Um, I am that proud of how well I did this morning. Well, um, see, a, a friend of mine was talking about. He was um, he was on Clubhouse recently. He was oh, he was Clubhouse listening. Is in, great. He was listening into Clubhouse, and um, he was listening into a, a whiskey one. And he was telling me on on a uh, he was just telling me recently that on this Clubhouse talk about about whiskey tasting, about how the there is more uh, like taste buds in your nose. I think. Like the, that yeah. kind of well, yeah. Then, you need, then in your, you need your, your sense your of smell to be able to taste properly. That's right. But actually, by by inhibiting the sense of smell, when you release it again, you release more ability to like it creates more. I don't know receptacles to receive taste, and then you get more taste. And I think that's what I think it's just receptors. But we'll, you know, we'll go with it. Receptacles is like a like a tub, a bowl. A bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, taste receptacles. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll we'll go on with that. We were going to talk about Ted Lasso, but I think we're we yeah. No, well, I, no, no, no. Let, let's t- touch on that. I mean, it, it's probably you know we'll, we'll put a we'll put a there's a there's a bit of potty mouth in in Ted Lasso, so there we will bit, yeah. warn we will warn our listeners if you're if you're not keen on some of that kind of thing. But on the whole, heartwarming. Comedy. Very much so. I was I was expecting it to be more silly. I'm only halfway through, so you can't give any spoilers away. But um, yes, very, very good. It reminded me because the whole premise is there was a guy on Twitter who started this account years ago called the USA Soccer Guy. And yeah. then I think Jason Sudeikis, I don't know if he knew about this, but he then started these kind of um, almost similar where this uh, football manager, it was like for the NBC or something like that. And um, it was a couple of adverts. And then that spinned off into the show. And uh, yes, I mean, it, it's very, very good. And, you, you know, immediately 
you, what you think is you're going to be laughing at a, an American doing silly things. And he does obviously do a few silly things and says a few silly things because he has no idea what football's all about. But um, it's a lot more heartwarming and you warm to him very, very quickly. And um, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly been enjoying it. So yeah, Ted Lasso is, uh, are we going to do, is this what we're going to do now? TV recommendation of the week? I, I, you know what? It, it's one. It's uh, if it, the the principles. I mean, let, let's face it. It's it's uh, there are examples and short clips that are a preaching pastor's dream illustration clip. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yes. So yeah, if you if you're looking, if you if you're about to do some season, you're looking about being a fish out of water and learning something new and taking alternative approaches and. Uh, but on, on the whole, it is it is properly there is something you can laugh at the whole way through it. But uh, I, I, I like this little segment, Chris. I, I I really do, and and it's one we both agree on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and I'll add, it's one that my wife and I agree on, and the really? same for you too. Not that you yes. agree with my wife, you agree with your wife. Yes, I agree um, with my wife on this. Yeah. Uh, so 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 that, there we have it. That that is an unusual situation in my house that we both like the same thing when it comes to what we watch. Yeah, that is true. Because um, often one one side has to concede, and then sort of get into it. <laughs> when you say one side, I saw that smirk, Chris. You mean that you and I we compromise and uh, watch what they want to watch. <laughs> your your words, not mine. I'm you know I'm I'm grateful that uh, my wife does not listen to this podcast, um, and so I could probably get away with it, but I I, I won't. Um, so yes, I'm sure that it's uh, it is fifty fifty on the tv watching uh choices right should we get on with the uh with the podcast that was a nice little nice little intro well yeah i mean that's what i was going to, that's what i was i was literally going to jump straight in chris and say you know there's there's all these things we're touching on it already we're we're planning we're planning chris planning yes tell, tell me tell me about it like what what actually what are we planning well what, we're planning we've got coming up that we can that the listeners should be keeping an eye out for. Well, we're just about to. We're on. We're on the cusp of uh, relaunching our, our website. We're rechanging our kind of our process of how we work. Um, we're, we're moving um, to a much more dynamic way of uh, of of helping churches, which I'm really excited about. And a part of that as well is we are relaunching our membership site. We uh, we we kind of did a kind of a soft launch, very soft launch of a membership site um, back a while ago. And it was very early V1. And uh, we really wanted to rework on that, get that better, because the idea is that we want to help churches that are, are needing to kind of go through this themselves. Maybe they don't have the, the, the time or the finances to get a facilitator in, but help be able to help churches help themselves, really. And that's why we are going to be relaunching our membership site very, very soon. I've got a lot more videos that I still need to uh, record on that. But um, actually, we're going to try and use this one today as one of the videos that you can watch. So this is almost like a little bit of a taster that you can come in. And so uh, this will be one of the podcasts. We'll have others as well. Uh, other bits, you know, other videos and assessments and things like that. And it's just helpful that you can go in, uh, find the material that you need to help your team get a plan together, get working on things. So we're moving to, yeah, shorter cycles of things rather than long planning and trying to sort of boil the ocean. We're just going to do 
a little bit at a time. So so that's how everything's changing. And and it all does come back to to planning and goal setting, really. Yeah. And I mean, is is that appropriate to every scale of things we do? Or do we do we only ever try to plan the big stuff? I mean, like where where does this where does this apply? Is this for everything? Well, no, it's not for everything. Uh there this is when we're thinking about setting goals, what you can't do is um setting goals for your sort of or a class of business as usual, ministry as usual, we should probably call it ministry as usual, uh, MAU, um, is you don't need goals for that. That's when something becomes business as usual, that's just ongoing. You don't set goals for that. Setting goals is all about uh, thinking about change. So what are you going to bring change to? So rather than working in the system, and you know, whether that's you know planning for Sunday, you don't need goals for planning for Sunday. You often you're you already have an established system. But when you're going to change mm. that system, interrupt that system, make a you know maybe it's you're going to change how you do your Sundays or change your complete your approach to planning your Sundays. Those kind of things. When you when you're creating change, that's when you need goals. Right. Okay. So setting the scale there, we're, you know, we're we're looking at um, in terms of where we put this on the matrix. This is top right. This is proper planned implementation stuff that's probably going to take finance and resource. Um, and resource, we mean like time, people, um, maybe even external support in in different ways. So we're we're looking firmly at some of the the big rocks in in our process throughout the year. And things that we might be doing as churches, projects, ministries, etc. Okay, so um, I mean, we we've got the one. So we, I'm assuming there that the the, the relaunch of like you know website, um, this idea of a, a membership platform, uh, the idea of putting that all together, that sounds like a big rock. So you know maybe we'll keep coming back to that as our analogy throughout this. Um, why? Like first off, Chris, what on earth does OKR stand for? It sounds like it sounds yeah. a little bit like you know you know the OK Hun OKR. Um, <laughs> like where 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 are we? What does it stand for? <laughs> okay, OKRs because it is a bit of an odd term, and it is you know, and I think and when anything has um, you know it's a, an acronym, I think everyone kind of rolls their eyes a little bit and says, "Oh no, not another acronym." We've got to remember remember this. But uh, OKR N O A. Yes. Yes. Um, but OKR stands for objectives and key results. And they kind of like it's the two parts of goal setting. First off, you need to stretch for something new. That's the, the objective. And the key result okay. is how are you going to measure that? So that's what OKR stands for. OK, so how, how do we define an objective? Is that is that is that is that a statement? Um, what make what makes a good uh, well yeah what makes a good objective and also this is a phrase that I've heard a, a lot over years and you know and I'm going to say more commercially I think I've seen transitions to using OKRs more in digital projects and uh, dare I say modern working so people that have come away from some of the 
older tools and techniques. But OKRs, I mean, it's, it's been around a while. Yeah. Um, wh- wh- why? Why do you think the popularity now? Like, what? What's what's switching people onto this? You, you're right that they've been around for a while they've been around since the the 1970s so uh it was started by someone called andy grove who was uh the head honcho at intel uh and it really was birthed in the kind of uh silicon valley companies and then uh the big company that took it up uh in the i can't remember was it the 80s or 90s when they started was google and uh, larry page and sergey i can't remember his surname brin is it Sergey Brin? Okay, yes. They both went for it and uh and and, and they had started adopting it as well. And then other companies started to adopt it as well. So then uh Amazon started to pick up and so they they started using it and Netflix started using it and you know and all, a lot of these tech companies started to pick up on it more and more and more. And actually a lot of the tech companies, you know, Facebook now use them and twitter use them and so anything that's in the tech zone it's been used for but now it's starting to broaden out and uh, a couple of years ago a new book came out uh, by one of the kind of the real kind of uh, proponents of okrs was as an author called john doer who worked for andy grove back in the 70s and he wrote a book called measure what matters and that book has become the kind of the catalyst, you know, with the TED talks and all those kind of things. And, um, and now it's become a thing where it is now becoming a lot more popular, more than just in the tech industry and realizing that actually the, the tech practices aren't just for tech. They're just really, really good goal setting practices. Um, so that's why it's become really popular, partly because of the, the tech boom and, and how that's been helped, but actually how OKRs have really helped the tech boom, help them achieve what they want to achieve. And you can see the success there. And now it's starting to go into a, a lot more other areas uh, of, of different industries and areas of society. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that sounds common across a whole bunch of things that we, that we come across where actually you see it being used one way and then you start to see it only being used one way. But when you start then to dig beneath the surface, you discover this wealth of principles about why it works. And you realize that if you apply those principles, the context can shift yeah because actually you're sticking to a way a way of working and a, and a methodology the other thing so you know go go out a little bit here on this for something to have been that pervasive into an industry um such as such as tech and the explosion but to be picked up at all levels of an organization um and very broadly as well this this must be fairly simple to grasp, but probably takes some getting your head around to start. I, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing. Yes. So, yeah. what what are some what are some key things there to watch for in maybe approaching this? Because it's like anything. It's like it it probably is simple in practice, but you just need to just get that over that first hurdle. And once you're in, you're like, oh, oh, I get it. It's this is so much simpler than. I thought when I was looking at something entirely mapped out and it's just too big to take on. So yeah. yeah, What, what do you think maybe are some, I don't know, potential like barriers to entry on using OKRs Mm -hmm. for a tool that's actually very simple to use? 
Yeah, the, the biggest barrier to entry, I think, for OKRs is that you think it's just a system that you can adopt really simply. Um, because in one sense, it is. Um, and, and you could just say, right, we're going to start using OKRs tomorrow. Done. Right, write your objectives and key results. But you'd actually miss all of the benefit. And the benefit, I think you're absolutely right, it comes from the principles. Because actually, what you when you start digging into how different companies use it, they're all using it slightly differently, which I really like. Because what it means is, it's not like a rigid system of how it has to work. You know, uh, Google use it differently from Amazon, uh, who use it differently from Twitter and Facebook. They all use it slightly differently. And um, even Intel's one who started it, they use it differently. To, to the other ones as well and i like that and i think the pitfall the big pitfall is just to think that you can go into it unprepared because okrs are more than just a goal setting system they are they're kind of a way of, of thinking and a way of operating and a way of uh, being able to sort of process what you are needing to achieve and it does take a bit of time to you've got to kind of dwell in them a little bit i did hear uh, someone at my um, my wife's work, um, my wife said uh, she was talking about OKRs at her her business uh, that she does, and uh, they were talking about it. And they said that OKRs are a way of life. I think someone said to her, and I like that because it's it's more than just a, oh I've just got to write these down. And I think this is a common mistake that we've made in goal setting is we we think of it as a a system of oh we just it's like tick boxing exercises okay we we'll just write them down but in the in reality it doesn't affect how we work whereas this is meant to affect how you work and the more you dwell in it it helps you recognize what's most important what you need to focus on so um i think yeah i think we've got to avoid some of the the common pitfalls you've got to it's it's simple to understand but it is it does take a bit of time to master and i think you know us doing this today is to try and help some of that to help understand the principles around it, uh, the complexity around it, but also when you push through to the simplicity of it, uh, because you've got to kind of go through that understanding a bit of the complexity of it to start to get to the simplicity of it. Uh, and it does take time. It takes, you know, it's, it's called generating goal muscle. You know, you've got to build that muscle up to be able to, to be able to just kind of uh, get into the rhythm of it and know how it's, how it works. So I, I read something interesting on, on that analogy about muscle building this week. Yeah. That actually, when you first start to build muscle, um, something like the the first couple of weeks when you have an incremental change, you don't actually have any increase in muscle mass, but you get stronger because you actually switch on through the process and activation, you switch on nerves to areas of muscle that you haven't had previously that allows it to respond. And I think there's something there. So actually that strength and power that you had was latent all along. Um, and I think that's like actually a lot of these systems, actually our, our capacity to, to do it, once you get past that over, over that first hurdle, you've, you've got that latent period where not a lot actually changes, but you've just learned how to do something. You're just now switching on to how to do it. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of while after you're embedded before you actually see the step change and you yeah. see something that's more noticeable from the outside. So I think, you know, I think that that applies. So like, yeah, to say that this is like building muscle, I think is, is, uh, is, is probably, yeah, really key and really close to that analogy that, Actually, at the beginning, it's just you actually getting a sense of where all of those things are and then switching it on so that you know how to proceed and then you can start to look what changes. 
Okay, so so Chris, take me through it, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna probe as you expand on this, yeah. um, because I I love you. well one I'm gonna say I just love the energy that you bring to this as a topic, um, and even for something that I've worked with previously, just seeing how alive this has been to you as you've done this, I think is 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 key to explaining to people. So I'm just gonna. Chris, take us through it. Um, I'm, I'm really keen to hear. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, well, let's start with um, the objectives, so the O part of OKRs, objectives. And that's that's the, the thing where you, it's all about working, where do you want to go to? What does success look like? And I think this is what's really important when you're writing OKRs is it's actually a lot about the writing of it because a lot of the time the problems that we face when we're writing objectives is we make them, we usually make them too fuzzy. Or we, 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 there's two extremes. You make them really fuzzy, where you say something like, um, "Get better this year. We're going to get better." Well, what does that mean? It doesn't like, you know, it's very, it's very nebulous. It's very hard to explain what better is. It's hard to explain how. How do you know that you've achieved better? What? It, so you've got you've got that end of it. We have really fuzzy thinking, which I think probably more churches struggle with this end than than the, the corporate world. The corporate world go hit that target. It's all about that target. Um, it's all about, you know, hit that number. And I've been in a, you know, I've worked for a business where it was, this is the number where you do whatever you need to do to hit that number. If you don't hit that number, you're in trouble. And I've, so I've been in that environment as well. And that's the other end. And that's also a problem because, you know, we've talked about this before you start to gamify the system and it, it's actually a really bad thing. So what the objective does is it's more talking about what's the outcome or what's the impact that you're trying to make rather than uh, what's the number you're trying to hit or a fuzzy something that's that feels a bit fuzzy so it's it helps against that kind of fuzzy thinking but it also isn't it's, it's also an antidote to um over numericizing you know and making one number the target we talked about um there's the thing of goodhart's law where you if you make uh if you make a metric a target it ceases to be a good measure because the problem is you you gamify that system and i think okrs is what the objective is is more qualitative so you're not you're not usually putting a number in that objective but it's you are describing and you're using your words to describe what success is like so you it still needs to be something that's you know it's about how do we sustain and grow our church so how do we progress and develop all those kind of things but they, it, it does need to be something it's got to be significant it's got to feel like it's you know it's got to be meaningful it's got to be something that is actually concrete it's got to be a get it can't be nebulous so you know even if you're describing it using qualitative terms it's still got to be something where you are going to uh, you know when you've achieved it if you use words like just get better or um improve it's 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 not it's not concrete enough you need to have something that's concrete that's an objective and it's got to be based around action as well so you might want to it might be about completing something or achieving something um so it needs to be around action and also it's the big part of the objective when in okrs is it's got to be inspirational it's got to be something that it's is you know um it can't just be you know have dinner you know that that's not really inspirational it's nice or it could be you know let's put it in a church context um have <laughs> sorry was 
Yeah, let's meet. Yeah, let's let's meet. You know, or um, <laughs> let's let's do fifty-two Sunday services this year. Well, it's not really inspirational because you kind of do that already. Um, so it, it's got to be something that's inspirational, that's describing what success is like. So that that's the, the the basis of it. And there's some there's different there's kind of three different types of objectives that you can write. And I'll, I'll go into them in a second, but I'll, I'll just go to you first as to if you've got any questions on that one. So tell me. So when we we were talking there. So the, the, the bit I like is, 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 is actionable. So I'm taking that these, that that's going to be a, a key proponent of how to write one of these out. Let's say I'm, I'm sat with my team. Now, one of the things I like to do when I start projects is, is actually before we even get down to this, like the planning piece is work with them to write a really good problem statement about what we're trying to tackle. And that's actually, you know, it could be, one side of A4 when we're finished with it, or a few, you know, just a couple of paragraphs. But that idea of sitting as a team all together, really working out how we articulate what's going on and what we're really trying to achieve. Is that a similar thing that I can do now with the objectives, actually to break these down into, they don't just have to be, you know, a single point. They're not one word or two word. Actually, this objective can be quite, statement driven a bit more wordy um collaboratively developed with the team and the people around me so that they know what they're on board with yeah um that's for me is yeah because that 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 tendency there tilts more towards action when people are invested in being able to repeat what we're trying to do whereas i find that when it's just numerical or it's just numbers and you like hit that that it's fundamentally fundamentally demotivating yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah so this sounds a lot more momentum driven with the actionable element to it and the fact that as a statement we're much more likely to be able to repeat it and at least paraphrase it to anybody that says what are you doing it's that this is the objective yeah and and that's it all starts with working out you know what's what's wrong, what needs to be changed. We have a um, something that we do, which is uh, working out what's right, what's wrong, what's confused and what's missing. Uh, if you didn't know, I did a nice little uh, jingle for that one. I'll, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, that's by the by. Uh, <laughs> um, but if you start from that place, then you can actually then work out, okay, what needs to be changed? And you're right, it's, it's meant to be a collaborative effort. You know, if you're doing this as a church, then get your leadership team together. You could even get your wider team together. You know, if for a small church, you could do it with your whole church. If you want to working out what is um, right, wrong, confused and missing. And then from there, you can start to hone some objectives. You could even do, you know, could vote on which ones are the top ones and, you know, do the kind of dot voting and, and write them. And then you've got to start crafting them, writing them in a way that is going to be, uh, inspirational and going to lead to action. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it is, it starts from those problem statements and it definitely moves to a very action oriented one. And it, because the idea is it's meant to be motivating and meant to be inspirational more than motivating, actually inspirational. So there's, there are three types of objectives and I don't want to get into way too much detail, but 
I'll briefly kind of touch on these because, um, and different companies do different things. This is what what we find is that there's the different ones. And actually, I think that for churches, this is all three are really helpful. So the first kind of objective is an aspirational objective. It's also called a moonshot. I don't know if you've heard of that term. Um, oh yeah, love a good moonshot. Isn't a it? moonshot. Elon Musk. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So the whole idea is, you know, um, you know, it's it's a bit like the uh, when we landed on the moon it was it was the moonshot and um oh we we do have was the test and trace in the uk operation moonshot less said about uh, that probably the better <laughs> um right moving yeah, on moving on moving say on too much on this now but yes the whole idea is you know you aim for the stars and you might reach the moon i think i can't remember who that's a famous saying is it einstein someone said it no i don't know um but the whole idea is it's about setting something that's really aspirational. And it's actually probably worth saying at this at this point. So you can set objectives that are for three to five years, uh, for one year, but most OKRs sit in the, the three-month or the quarterly zone. So you want a few that are more long-term, but they're more guiding. They're, they're kind of, they're your guiding ones, but everything is all about the next three months. Uh, about what can you achieve in the next quarter. And that means sometimes you know that some things are coming down the line and you've got to keep them in your hat a little bit and go, okay, we know that's coming along. But what it does is it forces you into like these short cycles, which I think is really good because it keeps that momentum really strong. So and with aspirational objectives, it's setting, okay, in the next three months, what would be, wow, like that is so far beyond what we think we could achieve, but we're going to go for it. It's got to be something that's it's got to be something that's still realistic, but it's still in that kind of wow, how would we do that kind of thing? So that's an aspirational one. And with an aspirational one, when you're looking at success, even if you hit 70% of it, that's still considered success because it's pushing you so far out of your comfort zone that even you know 60, 70% is a good, that's a good return. So you could say, you know, we want to do something, you know, you could say, you know, we want to speak to however many people, you know, it's maybe not a good objective. You may not want to put numbers to it, but, you know, we, we want to make a mass, you know, I don't know, think about, you know, something that would be a really good big goal to, you know, to do something in your city for a community project and you go for it and it's so aspirational, but the fact that even if you complete 70% of it, just think how far you've come and that's still considered success. So that's a, that's an aspirational one. Um, and it's all about pushing really, really far, and it's about yeah thinking about okay uh, what's the what's the furthest we could go in the next three months. Uh, the next one you have committed uh, objectives, and this is where you're going right. We're, these are called uh, roof shots. Um, so instead of trying to hit, the, I see what you did there. Yeah, so you're not trying to hit the moon; you're just trying to hit the roof, um, which I quite like because I think I I mean I'm I'm a terrible aim um, with you know any kind of shooting implement, um, but I think I could hit a roof. Um, and basically what that's saying is by the end of this quarter, we must complete this. So that could be a project or, you know, like it's a, you know, 
or something like that you know but it it's a you either you you've got to complete it it's like you committed to achieve that so that's when you set an objective that's very committed the final one is um is a learning objective and i was not something lower to be i thought it was going to be like you know table shot table shot (laughs) i think i'd struggle there as well i mean i'm i'm a terrible aim um just throwing paper or something in the in a bin i can't do um yeah so a learning objective that's when it's it's not about um about achieving an aim but what you're trying to do is you're trying to prove a hypothesis and I really like this. This is really good for when you're, you know, when we talk about the Kinevin framework and you're in that kind of complex zone where you don't really know what the future is, you can still set three-month goals to say, we're going to learn this. We're going to prove this hypothesis. I really like that. A good example at the moment is uh, I'm working with my church and uh, we're looking at what do we do for online church? And the big question comes up, who's it for? You know, who's the recipient for this? You know, who's it for so what what we decided to do is is think about uh doing a learning objective to know to say right we're going to run tests to so that we find that so we discover that question out because we don't know we don't know until we start so instead of saying we want to achieve this as you know know, reach you know a lot more people online well we don't quite know who it's for yet so we're going to set a learning objective so by the end of these three months we know who it's for we've we've put all the things in place to know who that's for so that's the that's a kind of a learning objective and i think for churches that's really really good really helpful especially when you're thinking about you know maybe church planting and you think about you know things that you don't know that um i think for for senior pastors i think this is gonna be really really helpful that sounds to me key for re reopening post-pandemic because we we could instantly go back to a build it and they will come mentality as in like you know open it and they will come but i i keep saying like there's going to be changed behavior we just don't know like probably better and more appropriate to work in sprints and start with a a learning one doesn't stop the moonshot of still reaching people mm. um, and, you know, and discipling and the kind of impactful ones that we want to have. But actually we're probably starting with a learning of what, what does this look like while we feel our way um, and then take those learnings back. Is that, so for reopening with this, this would be appropriate too. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And for churches and, and actually for organizations, the, the idea is that you don't normally set more than about three objectives per quarter, three. I think you could go up to about five, but I think I would recommend don't go beyond three because I mean, the more objectives you put in place, the the less your focus will be. So think about that, that you want to keep your focus up, but I would recommend that I think churches should always be trying to learn the next thing. So not, not always making aspirational committed about, you know, just achieving something, but also about, I think always having one that's a learning one. What can we learn that's new? Because there's always undiscovered territory that we need to work out. You know, we are now going into a whole new undiscovered territory uh, and we need to, you know, we need new map makers that are going to be able to work out what's the new land like. And to, and to do that learning, objectives are really helpful okay in this next three months we are going to learn this 
Uh, but it's got it's still got to be concrete so it's still got to be something that you can say we have learned this it's documented all that kind of stuff um but it and it, so it's still con- concrete but you've learned you know is it this way or is it this way you know is this true or is it not true those kind of questions you're you're uh, you're answering um and i think that's really that is really helpful superb and so what's what's the next step once you've decided this with your team you've got you've got your objective you've documented this down i imagine that you know how how many of these is appropriate to have going at a time is it departmental team one do they cascade like how how many of these do i do i set up or you know what's manageable well um what what you can do and we'll get into cascading because they do cascade um and there's couple of ways they do but we'll get to that um after we talk about key results um uh, normally with objectives you're looking to have um you, you're looking for the church to set for, firstly a probably a three to five year one to set a, a one year one and then to set quarterly ones as well so you probably i would say only have one objective for three your three to five year one to two for your one year um, but then you can have up to three for your, for your quarterly. This is in the next quarter we're going to do, and um, and also then you set them at the 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 sort of the t- departmental and team level, and you can even set them at the personal level as well. And I'll show you later. I, we need to talk about key results first because how they cascade and how they work together, uh, it will be really important. But yeah, you uh, you set. Them so this the, is after set, after an objective having an end result in mind is. So the key results is an important next stage for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. we'll, we'll, we'll go into that now. Um, so with key results, this is where the numbers come in. So it's right. So we can't avoid set, them, can we? You can't avoid the numbers. And I think this is a, you know, a problem is uh, that I've seen in my own goal setting before is that I was so keen to avoid the number because I didn't want to get into Goodhart's law and making it a target that I took numbers out and they ceased to have any well, how do we know that we've done that? It became quite, again, quite nebulous and quite fuzzy. Um, so at some point, you've got to bring the number back in. And this is the key result. And I, what I like about the this is that the numbers are there to support the objective rather than, than just trying to achieve numbers, which I really like. It's a subtle shift, but it, you know the, the numbers, these key results that you're going to try and hit... Uh, they are supporting the objective. So a key result is how do you know how you're going to complete that? What does, you know, if you've set a goal for, you know, um, launching in three new cities or something like that or whatever, um, or, you know, launching into new cities in the UK or or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, Running, you know, um, launching into Europe with, you know, mission programs or something like that, you know, that could be an an inspirational objective, but how do you know what, what defines success for that? And you have to have some metrics behind that. So what you want to have is around three to five key results. And the big point with this, with a key result is it has to have a number in it. Your, 
you've got to move the needle on something. It's got to move from here to here in a time scale. It's got to be something that's you've moved a number. And there's you can write them in sort of three ways. Um, so I think what we'd normally think of an uh, of a of a number would be an output. You know, um, it would be uh, the classic knock on ten doors, and you know. I'm not suggesting that people should do that, but you know, that, that's that kind of classic. Or, definitely not at the minute. No, no, not at the moment. No, no, definitely. Um, but then, you know, that, that's a, I have knocked on, or well, actually that's probably more of an input. It's something that's within your control. So you get an input, something in your control. Um, then you have an output. So what's the, what's, what's happened from that? So that could be uh, you've got uh, five people, get five people to, sign up to come to church or something like that you know that's an output from the activities that you've done um an outcome is a little bit more more different that's the third type of of key result that's when you're kind of describing the change that you want to make that could be often in the corporate world that's often to do with like net promoter scores and uh but in the church world you could look at more sort of deep ones in in terms of uh you could be looking at things like baptisms or those kind of uh metrics that you want to change because they are actually showing what's changed um, so mm-hmm. you're looking more at the um, the sanity metrics rather than the vanity metrics on, on those kind of things. So you can have so you can set key results that are uh, uh, an input. So that could be um, ring ten people in your church to ask them how they're doing. You know, let's say let's say you want to you know uh, let's say you want to be the most um, caring church. You know, ring ten people every day would be an input. Um, so, uh, an output would be, you know, um, uh, get five people per day signed up to a, um, a small group, something like that, you know, so that they're, you know, in the discipleship. an outcome would, would be, you get 12 new stories of life change. That's you, now that's, that's, and that's, that's the outcome. And what that's doing is it's achieving the impacts that you want to make, which is to be the most caring church yeah. in your city or whatever. Um, now, you see, Cause that, that sounds, that ties in to this concept of um, what's often been referred to as log framing, which is this idea of impact frameworks, yeah. which, which works on that same thing of resource input, output, outcome, impact. Yeah. And I think there's, it, it's certainly a metric that, or it's certainly one where churches can get busy doing things that get output, but are you having impact? Now, we we work with charities as well. Um, and in charities, particularly when it comes to funding, the, you know, the mantra is that, you know, funders fund impact, not output. Yeah. So actually there's so much more that you have to evidence as to, what your work is achieving rather than just those usual measures of bums on seats kind of yeah. things. Cause that actually doesn't, doesn't bring it about. So that takes us to those kind of like life change um, aspects. But I think actually it'd be, it'd be good. Put this one out here, follow on session talking about what impact looks like. And actually in church, mm. I think we sometimes get a bit, complacent with that we think the doing is enough but actually it is about the impact that you know that ongoing change that we that we get to see you know that it's the outcome over time really um yeah. to actually actually see some of that happen 
no that's that, that's great um what what next with the results we're looking for well because you're supposed to be for each objective that you're setting you're normally setting three to five key results the things that so with these key results they they have to show that so if you complete the key results the objective will be completed so that's really really vitally important because otherwise if you're not sure if you if you if you're not sure that if you complete the the key results that the objective will be completed you don't have the right key results so you have to pick them really really well um but what you can then start to do is that you can start to look not just about quantity but also quality you still use numbers but you look at so because what can happen is you can get into that will will cut all the corners to hit the numbers thing because we th- but is that really achieving the objective because just hitting those numbers if it's just on quantity is not actually going to achieve the object the objective at all and what's that's what i really like because it avoids that good hearts law because because just because you've hit numbers does not mean that you've hit just because you hit a quantity doesn't mean that you've hit the objective but if you if you include quality as well so if you that tension between quantity and quality uh, that means that you can set some really good key results around uh, the nature of how you do things and that it's it's done really well and that, you know, people's feedback is good and all those kind of things. So you're not just setting, you know, we want to get 100 new people into our Christmas event. Uh, you're also saying we want 80 people to say they'd come back next year. That That's that's difference between... that's. To the tension of quantity and quality because because if you want people to say they've got to come they want to come back next year or next week or whatever then you have to have that level of quality as well and i think that's what's really helpful in there so so you set you can either write them as input output or outcome but you can also write quantity uh, key results or quality key results as well and then Superb. yeah okay so then the last one is that uh, how you write them is so that number's got to change, you know. So whether it's from fifty new people at the Christmas service to a hundred new people, so you can set them either as an incremental change. You know, we want to to grow this by five percent over the next three months or whatever. And that if that's going to help you achieve the objective, then that's great. Um, incremental change can be good and can be helpful. You have the kind of leap one where you know it's you know it could be launched three new services in the next three months wow that's a big leap that's a massive change a big leap and that could be helping you achieve your goal of you know having enough space to reach the city or whatever it is you know i'm I'm just picking them out at the top of my head um so you've got incremental change you've got leaps but you've also got hold where you want to say we want to hold this number here because actually it's taken us a long time to achieve this, but actually we want to hold it there. So for instance, a good one in the church world would be, we want to keep new people percentage in our services at 5%. So we want, so it doesn't mean that we want, you may not want more and you may not want less, but you may want to hold it and say look we want to make sure that every week we're holding it five percent if we've got five percent of our congregation um is new people then that's that's success and i think that's really that's really helpful that you can have that kind of incremental change you can have that leap or you can hold things but the whole idea is it's got to be achieving the objective perfect that's great so that's the we've got the o the k and the r 
Yeah. Is, is, there, is there anything more um, to this? Yeah, well, we talked earlier about cascading OKRs. And I think that's it's really important because there's different there's two different ways that you can cascade OKRs. And basically the idea is to, so you set them as a church, you set them at you know team and departmental levels, and you can also set them at the individual level as as well. And I think that's really helpful. So what it can be is there's two ways that you can cascade that down. The first way is kind of very directly. So you can say, so this is the church goal. And the, the I mean, uh, the, the traditional way was um, the, 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 the leader sets their person's objectives and key results, achieve this. And then they say to their subordinates, achieve this. And they say to their subordinates, achieve this. The kind of waterfall method. Um, that's not a very good way of doing it because it's very, very like, bad for motivation if someone else is setting what you're going to achieve it's very dictatorial and oh, you're yeah. calling them subordinate let's uh... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yes. yeah absolutely um whereas with uh with the in a direct way of of cascading them you can cascade the key res- you ca- cascade the key results become an objective and then that person sets their own key results so, um, so that could be then, you know, you, you could say, um, you know, it could be a key result to make an impact in the city it could be launched three new services. So then you go, okay, well, we're going to cascade that down to, you know, the assistant pastor or something, and that becomes their objective. So their objective is to launch three, so three services. They then have to put their own key results around that. So they still get to choose their own key results. And then that can be cascaded further. Now that is one way of doing it. And that is that can be good and it can be helpful, but you probably don't want to be doing that more than 50% of the time because it's just, it's going to slow things down. It's going to take too long. Another way is to think about cascading OKRs directionally. So what you do, and the, the, the big premise of OKRs is that these goals should be public. And I really like this, that goals should be public. First of all, because it creates accountability. It says, this is what we're working on. I, th- I think it's a great idea. But when you make them public, at least put a public to your own team or anyone that's on a team, what they can do is they set their own OKRs in line with yours, with the line with the company, not the company, the church ones, trying to keep it in the, the right sphere. But the, so you say, look, this is what we're going to achieve in the next three to five years. This is the most important thing in the next year. And this is what we're doing in the next uh, in the next quarter. And what they can do is they set theirs, their own ones in line with that. And everyone makes it public. So you don't keep it private you make your, everyone has to make theirs public. So what you can do then is a, you can have coaching from, you know, whoever's leading you. So to help you write it better and okay, is that in line, all those kind of things. But also if anything's starting to stick out and it's not in line and someone's pulling in their own direction, they can then actually, that, that, that can then be seen and people go, well, that's not really helping us achieve what we're tr- trying to achieve as a church. And so that that public that public nature of of sort of directional cascading really helps because it creates that sense of okay look we've got to all be pulling 
in the same direction here and try and achieve towards the same goals. So that's the different way. So you you'll probably do a mixture of both when you're, when you're setting them. Some of them, you know, because if you're going to set something, there might be something that must be cascaded. It just has to, you know, it's got mm. to go down to this person because it's got to get done. Otherwise it's not going to happen. So sometimes you're going to need to do that, but majority of the time you are going to probably, it's better to think about people setting their own OKRs, making them public and then coaching people around how that, that can be kept in line. Um, so it's, it's a lot better way and it's, it's much more of a bottom up way of doing it but without losing that the problem that i found with a kind of a bottom-up approach to goal setting in the past is that there's nothing unifying to bring it together everyone just sets their own goals and goes in their own direction and that's not very helpful because then then you're not actually pulling towards something a common aim you're just all kind of doing things together it becomes very siloed very quickly uh, whereas what's better is if if people can set their own goals but they but they're having to set it in the direction of where the church is going that's more helpful fantastic and when they're so when they're in place obviously this is action orientated yeah how are we how are we checking them like how, how what does accountability look like on on this how do we bring this into a meeting setting to check how things are actually going yeah and this is another big problem that a lot of churches have is that you you set a goal you set and forget you, you set the goal and then you you get to maybe the end of a quarter or end of a year and you have a look back at them and then it all it's all a bit awkward because you know that you forgot doing them about two months in and it all got lost and something you know the game changed and something you know and they're all forgotten and, you, and then you just end up just not talking about them whereas with okrs the idea is that you're supposed to talk about them every week so it's a you make it part of your weekly team meeting just to check in, make maybe take the first 10 minutes just to just check in. This is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going. Um so first off, you 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 set your OKRs at the beginning of the quarter or just before the beginning of the quarter. And then every week you check in with your team or your your line manager or however that works. You check in with someone and it because that provides accountability. When you've got to give an update of where you're where things are at, where where things are moving, what you're trying to change it keeps you accountable it means that you go oh i don't want to be that person who isn't doing their part to help things move forward so it, it keeps you accountable and so you've got this is i think this is going to be the key thing is that you've got to make it part of your weekly rhythm as a as a leadership team as a you know as your team talk about it what goals are you trying to achieve where are you at where are those metrics at keep doing that then at the towards the end so at the end of the uh, at the end of the quarter, then you grade them. Now, this is really, really important when you're going to grade what you've done is that you don't make them, you know, if, you, if you're doing this with employees, you don't make that part of their kind of pay grading, you know, so someone's no, not... No, so the, these, are, these are independent of yeah. kind of like what we would normally term performance. Yeah, absolutely. So it is absolutely independent because it's not there to determine whether you should get a pay rise or not it's it's there to help everyone achieve and stretch and grow and and and, and develop and and to stretch for what they couldn't stretch for um so every, at the end of every quarter you you grade them and so you can you can use the metrics to say okay we were going to go from here to here and then you can actually work out well how far did we get and you kind of grade it out the normal grading is out of one 
uh, which is a very you know tech way of doing it. They you know we probably great you can grade out of a hundred if you like. You know what what percentage did you get completed? Um, and so if it was a committed uh, one, a committed objective, then you've got to get a hundred percent. If you don't get a hundred percent, then you need to. That's that would anything below a hundred percent on a committed objective would be considered a failure. Whereas if it's aspirational, you know, you know, if you're hitting seventy percent, that is more success. So you got to then you got to grade them. And the point is, it's not to try and shame you; it's there to help you. Because the next thing and the the, the most important thing at the end of it is that you reflect. Um, because uh, it, the reflection exercise is the most important part. Because whilst you may have smashed all of your goals, the reflection may be, well, did I set the right goals? Was it stretching enough? You know, was this aspirational enough? If I was setting myself an aspirational objective and I smashed it in a month, probably wasn't aspirational enough. I think I probably could have stretched more, stretched further. So there's always, and even if you, and then if you didn't hit them, there's, um, you know, you can do a post-mortem on them. Okay, what went wrong? What would you change? Do we need to roll that over and start that again? And so there's always that ongoing conversation. So it's not a, okay, now you're done and it's it's gone. It's a it's a conversation. It's, it's something that you can uh, work on. It's a, a way that it helps you grow at the end of each cycle and then put new ones in place for the next uh, next quarter. See, what, what that <clears throat> speaks of to me is how much more the involvement of the whole breadth of the organisation in decision-making, that actually there's a lot more conversation going on, teams are cross-functionally talking, Yeah. Um, that the ownership is felt at all levels because we know how to articulate what's going on. So the positives here are that actually, in you know church context, this is over to little sub teams and volunteer groups to like look at some stuff that actually helps them work out what needs to happen. Everything from car parking and hospitality through to kids work to media and pastoral and everything, everything really. Yeah. But their ownership of it and the idea of then meeting as a broader team and sharing what you're all working on to see how it all interlinks and what impacts the other um, is the regular communication so that i think you know your, your church has to have good communication structures yeah. in place to support something um this conceptual in one sense because yeah. it, it's a shift you know i'm not just being handed a, a tick list did you go around and check five fire doors did you go and check that the toilets were cleaned and restocked etc some of those things you know tick lists of stuff very functional probably mm -hmm. still necessary yeah but the idea around like how do we know whether we're achieving the welcome um and you know what our okrs look like on um hospitality particularly with you know the hybrid nature of how we're doing church i i love the breadth of discussion and the fact that actually this elevates voices into into that from all over <clears throat> it might seem like more time it might seem like more effort but this just seems like i'm far kinder and inclusive way of defining success for our congregations mm. and our churches um it's very very helpful and something that people can take and apply in other areas of their lives you could do these personally and as a family yeah. Yeah. but other little projects side projects and work environments that we go into 
actually there's so much that could be taken from this in principle and applied elsewhere. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Thank yeah, you, Chris. I, no, no problem. And I think what's helpful is once you start getting into the, the mindset of thinking, it, you're, you're starting to be able to a, attack a problem and think about it in a way that's, that can be a lot more actionable. So um, the, the example I had earlier was, was talking about, you know, how do we tackle online church? You know, and I, as soon as that was delivered to me, which was the problem is, well, who's it for? We, we don't, you know, it's not clear. Is it for, you know, is it for someone who is new? Is it for someone who is an existing member of church that just can't attend? You know, all those kind of things straight away, once you've got it into your mindset, you can think, right, that would be a really good learning objective. We can, we can test and prove that hypothesis of which way it's, you know, who it's for. And so, so really getting into the thinking of it and getting into sort of processing it in that way helps you set it really clearly. I've even started, you know, when we're talking with clients that we're working with to actually write them as objectives. This is what I, we think that you're, you know, this is what we're going to achieve and this is what we're going to do to, to achieve it is really helpful. It just, it, it's, it's really clarifying. It's just that the, your thought process becomes a lot clearer. Now, for many people, setting them, you know, whilst it might take a time to get yourself into that mindset, you're probably going to still need some help. And um, most churches, most people will need help to do that. And actually, it's recommended that um, that you have someone that they, they call them OKR shepherds, which I quite like, especially in the uh, in the in the church world, because it's like an OKR, OKR pastor, really, which I quite like. But probably that should become a, a, a job title that's, you know, and so maybe there's someone in your church that could could be that uh, we can be that uh, we you know we can be that for for churches as well um to help you think those things through it's, it's someone that's that's well versed in being able to how to write these things and be able to word them in a way that's clear and not not fuzzy and um so yeah often you will need a bit of help and sometimes it's worth finding someone that's that's really gets their head around it well and can help other people to do it as do it too superb thank you very much Lee, thank you. As as always, what, I mean, do you what, want... a, what a yeah, what a what a conclusive way <laughs> to examine something. Um, no, I think great scope for implementing this um, in things that we do, projects, churches, personally, absolutely superb. Thank you. Yeah, and I just like the thought that you know, next three months, what could you push for? Rather than you know, you can have the, your eyes on the, the the longer term things, but actually, the big thing is like rather than you know, we were talking earlier about how we used to do this planning, you know, try and do all of the planning, and you know, you'd move from planning to to uh, to it was assessment to planning to structure to action. That was our our previous one, and actually, what happened was you were trying to plan everything. And then you're trying to get a structure around everything. And then you're trying to get action on everything. And it's impossible because you've made so much change. You can't action all of that. It becomes really, really difficult. So we're changing it now so that, okay, let's just do it three months at a time. What can we change in three months? What can we work on? Short sprints. What does that mean? That could mean we're going to change the org structure. It could mean we're going to change the charity status. It could mean that we're going to, um, you know, implement this, you know, discipleship strategy. But those things are going to really help. And it's all about, you know, it's working out what can you achieve in the next three months and making sure that you achieve it. And you, you just, you can store up those gains and just keep moving towards what you're wanting, you know, that kind of grander, uh, mission that, that God's put on your church, really.
Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you, Lee. Thank you for thank you for asking the questions. I will. Uh, I will see you next My week. Pleasure. We'll do. See you next week. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church, and we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.